Some years ago, I picked up the phone to call a church in Nova Scotia, and I knew that Jim Ferris was serving there as interim minister. That is, Dr. James Ferris, Professor Emeritus of Philosophy and Ethics at Knox College. I didn't expect Jim to answer the phone. I knew there was a secretary at the church, and I don't think I'd ever heard Jim speak over the phone. He was and is a very, very soft-spoken man, except when he's speaking into a telephone, apparently. So I asked if the secretary was there. No, she isn't. Then I asked if Dr. Ferris was in, and the voice said, yes, he is, and paused. Now, Jim has a slow burn sense of humor, and his voice is so soft you often miss the joke entirely. But I knew who it was. Oh, I said, I thought you were the caretaker. <laughs> well, he said, there's biblical precedent for that. <laughs> and the precedent, of course, is John 20, verse 15. Mary hears a voice, and she doesn't recognize it right away. Who else would be in a cemetery at the crack of dawn? She reasonably assumes it's the caretaker. But why is she there? What brings her to the garden and the tomb? She saw Jesus die. No doubt she saw or heard about the arrangements the secret disciple Joseph of Arimathea made for a fresh grave with no notice, probably very expensive. And Nicodemus, the Pharisee who dared to sneak out of the city under cover of darkness to meet Jesus, Nicodemus supplied everything that was needed to embalm Jesus' body at his own expense. What can Mary do? She goes to honor Jesus' body from outside the tomb. It's the same impulse that might draw you or me to visit the grave of someone we love, to honor the memory, but also to make sure everything is all right and the grave is, is clean and intended for. Mary also knows that grave robbing is common, especially when the city is very busy and especially when someone who is famous or notorious has just been buried, before the stone settles into the ground. And Mary finds an open tomb. The worst has happened. She goes to the men, and, and no one will believe her. Men must confirm that she's telling the truth. Not much has changed, has it? Peter and John. Peter and John run to the garden and run back to safety. And Mary's alone again. Or is she? Two angels now sit in the tomb. Is she hallucinating in her grief? Is this an April Fool's? They ask why she's weeping. Don't they know? Won't somebody, anybody, tell her what happened to Jesus? And then there's someone behind her. She feels a presence. Now, we know who it is. She doesn't until she hears her name. But first, the man she thinks is the gardener 
asks her two questions. He asks again, woman, why are you weeping? And then, who are you looking for? April Fool, surprise, it's not the gardener, it's not a grave robber, it's Jesus. And Mary's instinct is to reach out and touch Jesus, to take hold of him so he'll never go away, never again. And Jesus says, no, he has places to go, people to see, work to do. He must be on the move, and so must Mary. Mary must go back to the other disciples without a witness to back her up. Nothing more than the light in her eyes, the color in her cheeks, the shortness of her breath, the beating of her heart, and she says, I have seen the Lord. But let's go back to those two questions, Jesus' questions. Why are you weeping? And whom are you looking for? To paraphrase the famous words of Jimmy Dugan, this is Easter. There is no crying at Easter. This is a happy day. Easter Sunday is all about light, color, sound, the scent of flowers, the smell of roasting meat, the taste of marzipan and marshmallow. I mean, this is a day to eat your weight in ham, potatoes, and chocolate, right? And we come here this morning to celebrate, to share in a little awe and wonder. And outside these walls, beyond our celebration, we know there's a world where there's good reason to weep. If not to shed tears, to grieve, to fear, to question and doubt, to wonder without awe. Some days we might even say, someone has taken my God away, I don't know where God is anymore. What makes you weep? Ask why. Wonder where God is. Fear God isn't. Now, Easter is about life, resurrection life. Yet we remember the dead today. The flowers can't make up for the loss. Some of us look at them through tears. But it's good to remember. And this is a safe place to grieve and resolve to live on. But we come on this day hoping that we can take away from here some good news about life, the world, and our life in the world. And we want to believe that the weeping in the world will stop someday, or at least those who have reason to weep will be able to see some light through their tears. And then Jesus asks us, whom are you looking for? Not what are you looking for? Whom? What we need today to take with us into the weeping world isn't words, news, information. It's not a way to prove that there can be hope. No, the message today is that we bear with us a presence who is hope. Mary Magdalene comes to the garden looking for a dead body, something to sustain a memory, reassurance that all is not lost, though not much is left. If she can see Jesus dead, 
know for sure he's safe in the tomb. She can hold on to what he gave her. When she does see him alive, she tries to hold him back, freeze frame, make this a special place so we can come back again and again. So when we come here today, are we looking for a dead body? A Jesus who lived and died and rose in the distant past? Something to sustain or refresh a memory? Are we looking for reassurance that the past isn't lost and that we can recapture some of it by coming here to do what we always do? Or are we here to renew, to refresh our awareness of the presence of the living Lord Jesus, the one who conquers death, dries all tears, forgives all sins, and loves to the uttermost, the nth degree? Do we come to meet again the one who is on the move with us as we make our way in and through this world? where there are many reasons to weep and much to do to defeat those reasons to weep. Jesus doesn't simply rise so he can lead us all to heaven someday. He, he took care of that, so we don't have to worry about that. He says and reveals so much to his disciples after his resurrection, and it's all about where they have to go and what they have to do in this world. He doesn't say, I'll be going upstairs and looking down and watching you all. Instead, he says, I will be with you always. We don't come wanting to renew our acquaintance with a dead Jesus. We come seeking fresh awareness to have our hearts pried further and further open to the living Lord Jesus. He asks, why are you weeping? And waits for us to tell him. And then he turns us toward the dawn that comes with joy after the night of tears. He asks, whom are you looking for? And he is filled with joy when we finally answer, you, Lord Jesus, you. And we find him and meet him in many ways, many places, with different faces, varying voices. We know him in the light, and we even see him in the darkness. We are more likely to encounter him when we're busy than when we're not, when we're on the move, not sitting still. And when we look back, memory may reassure us he can be found, but we have to look forward to find him. So when we come into a church, we may remember that it's him we're looking for. But if we find him here again, sooner or later, he'll lead us back outside to change the weeping world. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.